Good evening and welcome. So glad to have you join us here for continuing coverage of general election 2018 here at Channel 17. We are wrapping up a month of debates with legislative candidates and we are here with three candidates in Burlington's New North End. It is District 6-1, which actually covers a couple different words, words four and seven. So tonight we have Carol Odie, who is an incumbent and she's running as a Democrat. We have Bob Hooper, who is a challenger and you are running as an independent Democrat. The Democrat. Yes. The Democrat, yes, okay. I should have that right. And then we have Kurt Wright, who is an incumbent running as a Republican. We're happy to take your calls. We already have the phone is ringing. We have two calls from the outside world, but we are going to begin with opening statements. Carol Odie, would you tell us why you are running and what qualifies you for the position in the House of Representatives in Vermont? Okay. Well, as I go door to door, I hear that the economy, taxes, and Vermont's quality of life continue to be your priorities, and we're making progress on those things. I voted for legislation to help with taxes and to help Vermont's economy grow. I co-sponsored a bill to make property taxes fairer by requiring a study of the education tax formula to take into account Burlington's student population. I also co-sponsored and, and although the bill didn't go as far as it was intended to, it eliminated um, Vermont's income tax on Social Security for those filing singly with up to $45,000 yearly income and for those filing jointly with up to $65,000 yearly income. I voted to increase funding for Lake Champlain cleanup and I voted for legislation to improve health care quality and reduce costs by passing a law to uh, allow Vermont to design a wholesale prescription drug importation program if the feds give us a waiver. Um, my experience prepares me because I've had two years now experience in the State House on the House Natural Resources Fish and Wildlife Committee. I've been 10 years on the school board in Burlington, seven as chair. I was appointed by Governor Howard Dean to the State Board of Education, was on that for six years and chaired that for a year. I've been on the Lund Family Center Board, United Way Allocations, UVM Alumni Council. I've raised an enormous amount of money for Vermont Legal Aid through um, the Vermont Bar Foundation. I'm a former teacher and I'm a lawyer and I was uh, elected by my fellow lawyers in Chittenden County to be on the Bar Foundation Board and I worked with Bank and Credit Union Presidents to raise funds for the foundation and the major donor uh, grantee is Vermont Legal Aid. And um, after just one year in the legislature, I was recognized as a Toll Fellow, went to a whole training for that in Kentucky. It's a nonpartisan group and um, I was recognized for my outstanding rising state government official. 10 seconds. Thank you. Thank you. Bob Hooper, would you prefer to be Robert or Bob? Uh, well, my parents called me Robert and I generally am known as Hooper these days. <laughs> and I'm the guy that just put his microphone back on, so maybe I need another sound check. Uh, the question was, why am I running? And I'm gonna read this because I don't wanna miss anything. And after that, it'll be rather extemporaneous. I'm running to serve Vermont and to try to make it a better place to live, work, and enjoy. I think it's important that we recognize the significant position and not to continue to, the significance of the position and not to hear the continuous promises every two years that things are gonna change. These seats are important and it's, it's really incumbent upon the people who do the voting to recognize. We were the first state in the union to outlaw slavery. We were the first state to give women the right to choose. History has passed and now we're the first state to have done civil unions and marriage equality and our own version of net neutrality. Um, 
these things are important and it leads the country in a lot of ways. Um, we have to send serious people who have serious agendas down to Montpelier to get things done. By experience, I have 30 years of working with the state as a child protection and probation officer. I've been a small business owner. I'm a veteran of our armed services. I served as the elected president of one of our largest state employee organizations. In that role, I worked extensively to introduce and pass legislation that benefited working people. I'm the chair of the Burlington Retirement Board. I was elected twice to the school board. I serve on the board of the Vermont Veterans Home, supporting veterans around our state. And I'm the chair of the strategic planning committee there. I was appointed by Governor Scott. I continue to sit on the Vermont Pension Investment Committee, which is where we manage the $4.5 billion worth of uh, investments that the state has in um, retirement funds for the teachers, the state employees, and municipal workers. And I am also recently appointed by the state treasurer to the Green Mountain Secure Retirement Plan, which is a private entity for increasing retirement investment of the citizens of our state. Ten seconds. I know government, I know investments, I know legislative process, and I know how to get to the point of bringing people together where they can reach consensus and a deal. I'm not the guy that's going to be not straddling the aisle. I'm going to be the guy that's bringing people together to get legislation done. Thank you very much. Kurt Wright, why are you running for re-election and what qualifies <clears throat> you for the position? Thank you, Lauren. And first, uh, I want to thank you and Channel 17 for this format. Uh, incredible service to the people of Burlington and the people of our district in the New North End and District 6-1. And thank you to Bob uh, and also thank you to Carol Odie. I certainly will not have anything bad to say about my opponents. I don't even view them as opponents. We have three people running that are very well-intentioned people and um, I think that the New North End is well served by this. I've, I've enjoyed very much serving with Carol Odie as two of the state reps for the last two years. And so. Um, one more thing before I tell why I think I should be reelected or why I, I'm qualified. Uh, I attended an event at the Heinenberg Senior Center today, and I just want to say congratulations to all the 90-year-old residents at Heinenberg Senior Center. They had a party for those people today, and it was great seeing old friends there, and congratulations to all the folks there today. Great. It was a great event. Um, I am running, um, and I've served the New North End for a number of years in different capacities. It's been an honor to have served the New North End and the City Council. I've been elected as president by, I'm the only Republican on the City Council, but I've been elected uh, president, which is an honor to me. It shows, I think, that I work across party lines. I've been supported by progressives, Democrats, independents. Um, but I have, I've managed a small business. I've been a realtor, uh, a number of things, but I've also been involved in the community for many years. Even when I was on sabbatical from the City Council, um, I stayed involved. I went to the NPA meetings, of which I served on the steering committee in the past. I worked on a number of issues, even when I wasn't in an elected position. I never went away, and I think people really respected and, and liked that. Um, but, I, but I further, and we'll get into the issues, but um, I, like so many New North Enders, am a middle-class taxpayer, and I know the struggle that middle-class taxpayers have in the New North End, and I worked on that and will continue to work on that if re-elected for two more years. Thank, Thank you. you. Um, since we have five calls waiting, I'm gonna just take their questions and then we'll get to them instead of making these people wait for the whole sure. show. Hi, do you have a question for the candidates? Hi, yes, um, I do. My name is Paco, I'm from Berlin. Yep. Um, and I'm wondering who each candidate is uh, supporting for governor 
and why uh, we're, you know, how they came up to that choice. Thank you very much. All right, we're going to go to the next question. Hi there, do you have a question for the candidates? Yes, my question is, what progress has been made with cleaning up Lake Champlain? Thank you so much. This is a, these are great questions. Hi, good evening. Do you have a question for the candidates? Hi, uh, yeah. I was asking, I uh, was wondering what can the state do to help with improvements for Burlington High School? What can the state do with improvements for BHS? Okay, thank you very much. And do you have a question for the candidates? Yes, my, my question uh, involves uh, taxes. And would you support program spending increases which require raising Vermont taxes on the middle class or the so-called millionaire surcharge tax? And I've been told uh, the Vermont Tax Department has done a study that the millionaire surcharge tax would actually bring in less revenue if just one high-income family left the state to avoid the new tax. All right. Thank you very much. We appreciate your calls. Good to hear from you. And do you have a question for the candidates? Hi there. All right. Good. Okay. So why don't we just start with um, Bob? Why don't we start with you? Who are you supporting for governor? And why? Um, I'm supporting Christine Halquist. Um, I'm a Democrat. I'm tending to support Democrats. I've known Phil Scott for uh, decades. Uh, great guy. I don't necessarily think that he's moving Vermont in the direction that he necessarily should be. I think that the pledge of not move, raising any taxes or fees effectively in an, in an economy where inflation is raise, rising is effectively cutting um, services and uh, funds available for government. I think uh, candidate Halquist has great ideas on what we need to do to move the state forward in areas of technology. Certainly faces challenges that uh, not many of us have faced in terms of social agenda items. Um, I like the positions that she's taking. Thank you very much. Kurt Wright, who are you supporting for governor? Um, I will be supporting Governor Scott's re-election. Um, I'll go back to what I was finishing my opening statement with, which is the affordability issue. There is nothing that I hear more about when I go door to door. Nothing. There's uh, plenty of issues that I hear about. I hear about Lake Champlain. I hear about the potted plants downtown. I hear about all kinds of things. But the issue that continues to be first in people's mind, whether it's senior citizens, whether it is young families or, or what have you, is the affordability and the tough uh, nature of living in this great state that we love and I think that the governor has has focused on that like a, you know has had laser focus on that so I have great respect for his opponent and I certainly know um, Christine Halquist I certainly um, um, have constituents who are big supporters of hers and I totally understand that um, I am supporting Governor Scott thank you Carol Odie who are you supporting for governor I'm supporting Christine Halquist I'm uh, respect the job that uh, our current governor is doing and I think we're lucky that we have two such good candidates who are willing to uh, to rise to the challenge of serving as governor or to have who has served as governor I think uh, Halquist works collaboratively she wants to connect Vermont um, to the internet and and uh, be able to grow rural communities and um, is very concerned about the lake, which is uh, cleaning up Lake Champlain, which is extremely important to the people in our area, and uh, certainly understands how to run a business. Ran the um, Vermont Electric Cooperative for years and brought it from a 
from a, um, an organization that was not doing well at all financially to one that is uh, nationally recognized. Thank you very much. So let's go into the question about um, cleaning up Lake Champlain. And in fact, I would like to expand that to the waterways of Vermont. Um, and starting with you, Kurt, how, what progress have we made and how are we gonna finance the cleaning up of Lake Champlain? Well, we haven't made as much progress as we would like. We know that in Lake Champlain, there's two fronts uh, going on and one will be on the November ballot, which is the stormwater discharge charges in the lake from the city. There'll be a bond that I think is gonna be overwhelmingly supported that'll deal with the infrastructure in Burlington. But then we have the algae bloom issue and, and other issues in Lake Champlain and other waterways, of course, as you mentioned. Lake Champlain is, of course, near and dear to us here and as one of our crown jewels. But um, I supported uh, a funding mechanism. One of, the, one of them was Eschit, it's called, and that is the unclaimed bottle deposits, um, which brings in a few million dollars. Um, we, ha we also, it was proposed in my committee, in the Ways and Means Committee, um, the Rooms and Meals Tax. I am not a big proponent of that. The um, Treasurer has a huge report here, the Clean Water Report. Um, which he has a ton of proposals for funding. And we are going to need to settle on a funding proposal in the next two years. I did vote for S-260 with funding proposals in it on the floor. Um, it did, that funding did get taken out in the Senate. So that was disappointing. But I hope that we are all committed to, as I said, to this crown jewel. And I know all the waterways are important, Lauren, you're absolutely correct. Uh, Lake Champlain is, is of particular importance to us here, not only for um, family recreation, uh, our drinking supply, but is critical to the economy of Burlington. Uh, tourism, if we let that lake go, we begin to lose the tourist industry, which is, is vital to the success of our city. So in so many ways, Lake Champlain is, is along with the bike path, one of the crown jewels, and we need to protect and nurture the lake. Thank you very much. Carol Odie. Um, I supported and the legislature passed um, a budget that included $50 million of bonded money over two years to clean up the lake. Um, it is addressing phosphorus runoff and non-point and point source pollution. Uh, the escheats is um, for the, um, the unreturned bottle deposits is going to hopefully bring in maybe six to seven million dollars a year, and that's a non-tax revenue source of funding that can go on for however many years it's, it's um, able to be uh, not taken for something else for lake cleanup. So that's um, money that, that comes to the state because people don't return their bottles? That's right. Okay. And then um, Beth Pierce's study uh, does give a long list of places that we might look to for funding sources. Um, one of those that we voted on this year was, but it didn't go through, was a $2 increase in uh, the rooms uh, tax when people are sleeping overnight in a room that would ra have raised millions of dollars. And uh, we are going to have to make a tough decision about how we're going to raise the money for lake cleanup because we need about 25 to 35 million dollars a year over 20 years. And the state of Vermont agreed in a memo of understanding with um, the federal government, the EPA, that we would clean up the lake. And if we do it our way, that will allow us to use funds in the most cost-effective way. And if we fail to do that, the federal government will impose upon us how we would do that. <coughs> okay. Can I make Thank one you. more comment on it? 
can we let Bob? Yeah, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> yep. Yes. Your approach to cleaning up the lake and the waterways of Vermont. I had conversations with uh, Treasurer Pierce while the process was going on. I fully support the angles that she lays out. I think it's it's a mistake to only look at this as an issue of the lake. Um, agricultural ties in uh, runoff, all kinds of other things, but I think we need to view the problem as uh, one that is not isolated just to cleaning up the lake itself. Um, I propose doing a lot of environmental stuff that basically funds uh, from everyday use of, say, single-use plastic items where uh, nobody's going to take them away from you, but if you want to use them, as with many jurisdictions, you pay a little extra for the privilege. Um, it's a behavior change issue. I think a lot of the things that are ending up as problems with the lake are human behavior change. Uh, quite frankly, for our city to have allowed our sewage problem to get to the point that it is, um, is sad at minimum. Uh, we need to, as a city, address our contribution to that problem. Um, but it, as with a lot of problems, I think when we look at them in isolation, we don't necessarily take the best approach at solving them. All right. I'm going to keep going. Okay. Is that all right? I'm going to just take these I'll other... find a way to circle back. Yeah. <laughs> do you have a question for the candidates? Thanks for holding. Yeah, I do. I'm ready. Okay. I was wondering if the candidates could comment on the state of the state budget over the last two years. Okay. Thank you very much. Good evening. Do you have a question for the candidates? Uh, yes, I do. Um, the subject of safe injection sites in Vermont, uh, would any of the candidates support uh, legislation to implement safe injection sites in Vermont? Uh, would they sponsor it? And would they jump on to a bill if someone else uh, uh, proposes it? Thank you so uh, much for calling. Opinion on safe injection sites Got it. in the state of Vermont. Great, great to hear from you. Missed you during the campaign. Okay, so we're going to go back to our questions on state support for the BHS um, high school expansion. And Carol, you're the answerer, first answerer. Um, if you could also tell us, do you support the uh, bond issue, general obligation bond, to s s expand the high school? And do you think there's an opportunity to get some state funds for that project? Well, I do support the bond. I think that as I go door to door, I hear people saying that, you know, they aren't, that they, they understand that the building really does need work and that um, not enthusiasm for having a tax increase for it, but an understanding that it needs to be done. Um, I did introduce legislation last year that would have asked, that asked the state to, uh, match some of the dollars that um, that cities and towns might have might need to do building projects like this but it did not make it anywhere um, and uh, I would look forward to uh, being sure that uh, seeing what I could do to introduce a bill that would um, allow for increased spending as a result of this bond not to be held against um, not to be counted as part of our per pupil expenditures so that we would be held harmless from um, that increase in spending. 
Thank you very much. Bob Hooper, your support for the bond issue for the high school, and do you think there's some support from the state we could generate for that project? Um, I have, you know, unflinching support for the bond issue. I took a tour of the high school recently, and uh, even though I used to be in and out of it a lot when I was working, uh, it was amazing how far it had gone downhill. And I, take, I think I take a different perspective on the whole high school perspective. Um, some, at, some in our community, we'll put it that way, think that this is solely a local issue. And I really strongly disagree with that. Um, and I put it in context of so many of the things that we're going to talk about. Excellent questions that you've come up with, by the way. Um, where so many of the tentacles of the problems we're talking about touch into the economic development arena. Um, and the example I give you is if, take any of your large businesses that are either here or have been here, IBM, Digital, Musk decides to put the battery plant here. They send advanced teams into your community. They look at the resources that are available. They look at the infrastructure. And one of the things that they would do would be walk into Burlington High School and look around. And if any of the 10 people that came to look at that high school had a mobility impaired child or knew somebody who was, they would be moving to Portland, Oregon to look there next really quickly. So our infrastructure is very important in terms of addressing the affordability of Vermont because you get jobs in your community when you have support for those jobs. And the high school as it sits now is an educational <coughs> embarrassment, even though the teaching staff turns out the best and the brightest. For, as an institution, it, it really needs help. But it's an economic development impediment. And I think that's something that we have to recognize. It would be nice if the building had been kept at a serviceable level for a long time, but what's similar to Memorial Auditorium. Got it. Thank you very much. Kurt Wright. So, Lauren, there's been a freeze on state schools construction in Montpelier for some time. I would like to see that lifted or eased somewhat so that there could be help for these type of things. Um, right now, it's not. It's on the $70 million will be voted on, on in November. But I will say that I was the lone no vote on the city council to put this on the ballot in November. The reason is not because the high school doesn't need a major renovation. I also went on the tour and I knew before even going on the tour that it's in, just in desperate need of a major renovation. However, I mean, this is a, the, a, an issue of the magnitude of $70 million. To me, needed more vetting, more public input. That's what I've heard going door to door. Not that people don't support it or think that there's a need for major renovation, but this was awfully quick to come out late summertime. I know there's been work done on it for a while, but until an issue like this is in the public domain, in the public sphere, people really don't know that. And people, most citizens don't know what the plan really is. And with two weeks left, really now almost less than two weeks left in the campaign to November, I think we'd have been much more better served to wait until March, take the extra time, get more public input, and on a number of fronts, do a better job here. I, again, great work by the school board members. I totally get the accessibility issue. It was not an easy vote. I had friends in the audience who had children with disabilities. So, But on principle, um, I had to vote that way because I, I believe that March is the better time to have an issue of that magnitude on. Take the time and do it right. It's got to last for a generation. But there's no question accessibility needs to be uh, improved. Um, security, safety, and classroom size. And it's just a matter of, I think we would have been better served to have waited until March and, and make sure this is the right plan. Thank you very much. 
Um, so we now s start with Bob. No, I just lost track. We just start with Bob. Yes, mm -hmm. okay, yes, sorry. Um, so we're working through questions that people have called with, and this question has to do with um, ways of supporting program spending for the state budget, and the question had to do with the millionaire's surcharge tax. Is that something you think is going to generate a significant or a sufficient amount of money for the work we need to do? And what's your overall approach on program spending? What are your priorities for program spending? Well, it's hard to basically carve out one particular area to talk about. Generally, taxation, I think, under this administration has been um, not applied in the best way. I think that if you take into consideration something like the school tax, the property tax, um, there's a proposal floating around now where it goes completely over to income, which I don't necessarily agree with 100%. But so many of the people that, like two-thirds of the citizens of Vermont pay based income-wise now when you get to the, the final analysis and your uh, income is adjusted. Um, the upper wage earners, though, in that car still basically don't pay the same amount. It's a regressive tax at this point. So. As far as program spending, uh, I think that at minimum, program spending should go up at the rate of inflation. Otherwise, you're decreasing budgets for things. Um, there are immediate needs in certain programs like environmental, child protection, child care, great need for child care in the state. Um, those sort of things I think we need to look at independently. You send people to Montpelier to make decisions based upon need and their judgment. Um, for somebody to sit here today and say, I'm not going to do this, I'm not going to do that, it lends you to the fact that, that they just aren't willing to give consideration to the changing environment that might happen down the road. Uh, oil prices could double tomorrow. Oil prices could go in half tomorrow. You have to be prepared to make changes in your position in order to give the best service to Vermonters. Thank you very much. Kurt, your view on program priorities in Montpelier, generally speaking, and the millionaire surcharge tax in particular. Thank you. Thank you to the caller. Um, I always start out every session by sort of clearing my mind and uh, having an open mind on every single issue. Um, I, I have, uh, and I've had people say this at their doors to me, that they are glad to see me evolve over the years. Some people like to like the old Kurt better, actually, but, uh, but people told me they like to see the evolve, not, not that there was any flip-flops, but that there was learning done over years and an evolving um, thought process and changes in, in attitudes and ideas. But on the, on the actual tax issue, um, I do not think there are enough millionaires to make a big difference. And in fact, we have to be very careful because I could give you example exam after example of people, I won't mention their names on the air, but that are and I'm hearing that out door to door now that are becoming Florida residents or down south residents, six month and a day residents, because if the taxation gets too burdensome, that's what happens. On the school finance system, I will say that um, the, the system that we have now is too complex, too convoluted and confusing to explain to people. There's a total disconnect uh, in who pays. Uh, we need to, uh, we got very close in the Ways and Means Committee this year to a really bold proposal. Um, so I think that we're getting closer. Um, kudos to my chair, Janet Ansel, who put forth a really bold proposal. We worked on that for as long as we could, but we ended up sending a uh, somewhat pared down proposal to the Senate. I was very disappointed that the Senate actually took everything basically out of that 
and sent back just a basic tax proposal without much of any reform at all, which to me said, the Senate, I don't know if the Senate gets it, that there needs to be serious, significant reform and change in, a, in the property tax system. Thank you. Carol Odie, your view on program priorities for spending and the millionaire surcharge tax. Um, Childcare is something that um, if we invest in that, we'll be able to keep working families in um, the workforce. And uh, we increased that spending by $2.5 million this year, but it's, there's still not enough support to help working families. Um, the, I think what the, this tax that's being referred to was something in H911, which was our, um, which was a education funding change. And, um, and a charitable tax change. Yes. Well, there were a number of changes in that bill, but the, the one where it was going to be a surcharge for education and then it was going to make the uh, property taxes go in half but get rid of all income sensitivity and then put a surcharge on the income. And I thought that was a, um, a very risky thing to do. I didn't want people not to have their um, income sensitivity. And I, um, I thought if you something we have to ask ourselves is if you if you raise the income taxes in one area and you and and you lower but you you start that tax and you lower the property tax both taxes can still creep up again and so i think more we have to get to the root of why property taxes are going up the way they are for schools and to take human services needs out of the education budget and take some other things out of the education budget which we did do this year um, taking that off the backs of property taxpayers. And, um, okay. and that's what I would do. Thank you. Well, you know, I think we would probably agree that this is one of the primary areas that we've been getting conversation with. I wouldn't mind doing another round on that subject if you think we have time. What's the question? Um, more discussion on oh, property taxes. Oh, you want to say more? I want to get through the questions from the people. If we have some Go extra ahead. time, I'm not sure we will. But, Kurt, this next question has to do with... Um, what's your comment on the state of the budget, the state budget that's been passed over the past two years, which may actually get to what Bob is saying. So it's a pretty global question. Yeah, and you, you want to keep us open to go anywhere we want with it. Okay. I mean, I, I think that the state budget has, uh, has been solid. I think that the governor has laid out his parameters for what he wants, which is, frankly, that he doesn't want any taxes or fee increases. And I think that our appropriations committee... Uh, did a really good job. Um, Kitty uh, Toll, I think, did a good job in, with, the, with the entire committee in working through that. And for the last two years, I think, it's been a, done a good job in keeping taxes under control. Um, I will say, going back to the previous issue, since this is a global question, that um, I agree with Councillor, excuse me, with Representative Odie, that uh, there are other things. There's, there's things in the education, fund, uh, education funding system that really shouldn't be in there. There's a number of things still in there that shouldn't be in there. Um, and I think we ought to we can refer to it as purifying that system so that anything that's in there is strictly what should be for education funding. And I do think, I've talked to some people about this door-to-door -door and other experts, et cetera, who, as Councilor Odie said, I think human services, we should look at that. That is a huge hit on, on the budget in schools. Uh, so I, I agree. I think that is another thing that we should look at. Um, I do think that... Uh, um, in regard to the income sensitivity issue. I wouldn't want to do away with income sensitivity without making sure, and that was one of the holdups in our proposal that we couldn't quite get over, 
but I want to make sure that, that people were protected and that the overall decrease was enough to make up for that because the, the overall decrease in property taxes was going to be something like 50%. But we couldn't quite get over the hump on that. I think we, I wish we had kept working on it because we were getting close and, I, and we, we basically, as my committee chair said, because of the crossover deadline for the Senate, we, we went away from that. It turned out the Senate didn't want to do anything with it anyway. On the, on the um, charitable issue, I know that's an issue near and dear to your heart, and I actually moved for doubling of that tax credit for char right. charitable donations, and that even that wasn't enough. Right. So thank you. Thank you. Carol, state of the state budget for the past two years. I think we've done a great job. We kept the rate of the budget growth in this past year to half of 1% and in both years to under what the governor asked us to increase spending by. So we kept it to less than what was asked. Um, we invested in pension funds to save taxpayers money over time. We uh, filled our reserves guarding against inflation, uh, any coming recession, and any changes in federal law, and to keep our bond rating strong, which helps our uh, state and local governments when they are doing any borrowing. Um, we had federal tax cuts came to us as a result of the federal tax changes that would have resulted in $30 million more revenue to the state and we decided rather than do that we would simplify Vermont's tax code and help working families and we did that by lowering all personal income taxes income tax rates by 0.2% and collapsing the top two brackets. We created a Vermont personal exemption equal to $4,150 per exemption, a Vermont standard deduction of $6,000 for personal filers and $12,000 for married couples, and we expanded the Vermont earned income tax credit from 32% to 35% of the federal in earned income tax credit and that is helps with the benefits cliff and is known as an excellent poverty reduction program it gives a credit against taxes to people with lower incomes um, thank you Bob Hooper uh, I agree with Carol also um, I I actually think when you walk into a school and you see <clears throat> the number of of people that are there for ancillary services as opposed to education, it gives you an indication of how much of other budgets are buried in the school budget. Um, mental health is an excellent example. Um, a lot of money flows through school budget into mental health services for kids. Necessary services, mandatory services, but uh, the state is sort of putting a little mask on them when they pay through them for a different, through a different budget means. Um, I think it would be more honest for Vermonters, period, if the budget was laid out really clearly. Um, this year's budget was good, and I have really little indication as to why uh, people went along with Scott's veto. Uh, it, it did good things for residential property tax. Uh, it, it intended to uh, do good things for uh, renters and everybody else in terms of uh, keeping things pretty stable. It, we put money on obligations that are in the future going to be costing us more. Uh, paying down the debt on the uh, teacher's retirement fund saves us a, a lot of money and we would have been better off to have put money into that than cutting property tax for corporations and uh, quite frankly landowners rich folk. Okay. Um, so on the whole pretty happy with the budget. Uh, the shenanigan that, that happened with the veto, 
uh, questionable and, quite frankly, uh, somewhat illogical. Did you go along with the governor's veto? I did. Why? Um, because I think that the governor, again, there was the question about taxation. It was a big issue. Uh, it was uh, tax on commercial business, on landlords, which would have gone to apartment owner, to uh, renters. Um, and the problem that I had with that was not that the governor vetoed it. We get a lot of we get gubernatorial vetoes when we decide how we're going to act. And was, I think that the legislative leadership, um, and I fall on both sides, the governor didn't have a clear end game to me. And some of these proposals come out too late. At the same time, we should have stuck to the normal process for a veto and had a veto session and got down to business immediately on what the governor's problem was, what the governor's issue was, and negotiated. Instead, legislative leadership said we're going to have a special session in which they controlled the, the agenda. Each day that we went up there, and I spoke about this publicly, it's on record, saying when are we going to get down to business and deal with the issue at hand and stop spinning our wheels, which we were doing. Okay. And we were, we were wasting taxpayer dollars by doing that. And so, um, again, the problem was that we didn't get down to business. Legislative leadership did not set up a process that, that had us do that. All right. Any follow-up to that, Bob? Well, that's, I've heard numbers as high as $350,000 that that veto and the subsequent uh, endorsement of the vetoes cost uh, taxpayers. I don't know where that money came from. Um, I know that every time I saw Governor Scott say I'm vetoing the budget, it was Kurt's head right over his shoulder. Um, and it wasn't spinning, his w spinning wheels. Uh, there was an, actually a lot of other legislative business got done during that period, which if it had only been a veto session would not have happened. Okay. So legislative leadership I don't think is necessarily I, I need to twice. respond. He mentioned me specifically. Carol Shen Follow up and then I didn't respond to that in the sense that there is no question, I was in the committee where we were dealing with it, that we did not get down to business. The legislative leadership had made clear that we were going to follow normal legislative process. That is a lengthy, lengthy process. This was the normal legislative process on steroids. And we did not get down to the business of dealing with the issue at hand that we needed to deal with. That is what kept us there too long. I mean, there, there were problems on both sides. And we had solutions at the end that there was a great disappointment when we had a compromise that sort of fell apart. But um, there are problems. There were problems from both sides of us, and that's and that's and we have to acknowledge that. It's a not to, to put it all on one side is simply not being fair. We have five minutes. Um, wow. I just like a quick answer, starting with you, Carol. On would you sponsor or support a legislation on safe injection sites being available in Vermont? Well, I have read that they can save lives, but I would have to know more about it. How about you, Bob? I'd, I'd be really interested in the parameters. The thing that we have in Burlington now, <clears throat> um, needle exchange program, uncontrolled. A lot, of, uh, a lot of my corrections friends are out mowing grass in the cemeteries in place and picking up boxes and needles all over the place. It would have to be tightly controlled, but I agree with Carol. It's a, a great lifesaver in terms of making sure people are doing something clean, something safe in an environment where uh, I would support it. Thank you. How about you, Kurt? No, I would not. I think it's um, incredible. Um, we have limited finite resources and I think there are better strategies than to have a, uh, this is done nowhere else in the United States of America right now. It is, uh, our Attorney General has talked about in debates about the fact that it is illegal and the federal government has made clear that they would come in and criminally prosecute. That's enough to stop us there. 
we have other strategies that work far better than a controversial proposal to create um, and spend significant money in Burlington or elsewhere, and it would be in Burlington, um, where we uh, allow people to come in and do hardcore illegal drugs. There are significantly better strategies that are being worked on. The governor's opioid council has made clear now that this is not a good strategy. Um, not in terms of the resources that we have, there are better strategies that are being worked on and that those should continue to be worked on. Okay, um, I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. We have um, a minute for closing comments. If you'd right. like to distinguish yourself from your opponents, that would be helpful. And we started with Carol, so now we start with you, Bob. Um, I think that, uh, where are we camera-wise? Tonight, you've probably heard very little in terms of debate because we've just been answering questions. Um, there are distinct differences between people who are sitting in these chairs tonight trying to get your vote. Um, I run as a strong Democrat. I stand behind the principles. Um, I disagree with uh, Kurt on a lot of issues. I agree with Carol on a lot of issues. That's just the party uh, structure. Um, I think that the big thing that, that needs to be said is when you send divided representation down, there's some representations that you might get a better deal. And uh, it's, I make the analogy that when you're on the field playing baseball, you have an influence over where the game goes. When you're sitting in the bleachers, you don't. Um, it's, Just finish. It's, it's time that we move Vermont forward. Uh, this business of veto stop, veto stop uh, does not serve us well. It's an interjection of Washington-type politics into our process, and I don't think we have time for that. Thank you very much, Robert Hooper. Kurt Wright, closing statement. Thank you, Lauren, and thank you to the voters of 6-1 in the New North End. I appreciate all your support. It's been the honor of a lifetime to have represented you um, in the House of Representatives. Um, I hope that what you want is what I have brought to the table for a number of years now, which is a person who does not care about party. Party is not on my mind when I cast votes at all. Uh, there's a clear record of that over and over again. Um, I, ha I supported the guns, gun legislation when only a tiny number of Republicans did. I supported same-sex marriage when only a tiny number of Republicans did. I was the only Republican to vote against uh, the governor's proposal on education to move uh, the, town, the town meeting day elections for schools from March to May. Um, I don't think about party politics at all. I hope what you still want is a legislator who does what they think is right for you, for my constituents, on a regular basis on every single vote okay. and that party is never part of my consideration. Uh, I ask for your vote on November 6th or earlier if you're voting by absentee. Thank you. Thank you very much. Kurt Wright. Carol Odie, your closing comments. You have a minute. Thank you for having us, Lauren Glenn. Pleasure. Um, it has been an honor to serve for these past two years and an honor to serve people uh, of Burlington and uh, for many, many years that I have. Um, um, the, my favorite part of campaigning is going door to door. I love meeting people at their doors and hearing about how much they love their neighborhoods and Vermont. Um, and we have three neighbors running for two seats out in the New North End and I'm working hard for every single vote. And if you support me, I ask that you please go out and vote. And whether or not you vote, and no matter how you vote, if I'm reelected, I'll continue to represent you listen to your concerns, and work very hard for you. I want to thank you all very much for joining us this evening. There are a lot thank of you. questions um, we didn't get to, but we really appreciate the 
involvement. I think that District 6-1 gets the Public Involvement Award. So thank you very much. We're proud of that. Yeah. And thank you for following our continuing coverage here on Channel 17 Town Meeting Television. Don't forget to tune in to live election results on November 6th. And if you like election programming, feel free to give us a contribution to continue to provide the services by going to cctv.org. Donate. Thank you so much for watching.